step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Stop, stop, stop the music. Stop. We, we got to turn it off. Nope. Sorry. Uh, fade out. This, y'all, I did not realize coming in and sitting down at this microphone that today is actually Juneteenth observed. Yesterday was Juneteenth, the date that the Union Army brought word, I think, to Galveston, Texas, that uh, the Emancipation Proclamation had actually been signed sometime before. It's a Texas holiday. Donald Trump wanted to sign it into law to make it a federal holiday. The Democrats actually blocked Trump from doing it. They didn't want him to take the credit. Biden signed it into law last year. So it's federal. Today's a holiday. Um, so I, I don't want anyone to think I'm a racist by working on Juneteenth. So I have to leave you now with dead air for the next three. I, I can't work. It's Juneteenth. It's sacrosanct. The New York Times said so. So you guys enjoy your day and I will talk to you all tomorrow. Or I, I guess I could, I mean, I, I didn't plan it. I assumed I was going to work. I, I, I guess I could stay. I got golf this afternoon. I, I can stick around until then. <laughs> I just, oh my gosh, you know, um, I, I've got friends of mine who are upset that Juneteenth is a holiday. I, I have friends who believe the federal government is culturally appropriated from Texas, a uniquely Texas holiday. You, uh, half the states don't give off for Juneteenth. Uh, a lot of people think it's just performance. It, it's, you know, the wokes actually wanted it as an alternative to, to July 4th. Uh, I, y'all, I don't care. I, I have no dog in the fight. Uh, if I got the entire month of pride off, uh, I would hoist the rainbow flag, make some funfetti cakes that identify as pies and, and take a vacation to the beach. But, uh, nope, I, I, I don't, I don't get off for that. But, and this year I don't get off for this. I, I don't, I don't really, it, it, it doesn't bother me. Uh, if you want to give me off a holiday, I mean, I, I pick, if, if you want to create a holiday, around Joe Biden falling down on his bicycle and give us all a day off. I'll take the day off. I won't complain about the day off. I may find it ridiculous, but I'm happy to take the day off. This one, look, there's it's a, it's a historic moment in American history. It's kind of a cool story. Uh, they, they want a, a, distinct, um, a, a distinct holiday to memorialize that moment in American history where, where the, the, the final word of the Emancipation Proclamation uh, broke through to slaves. Uh, I don't, I, I just, I, I don't care. I, I think it's, it's it was a neat Texas holiday. It was a uniquely Texas tradition. It's now a national holiday of historic significance. Uh, your mail won't be delivered today, even if you go to the office. I, I Again, 
I mean, if if they want to give me an entire month off for Pride, I, I'd be fine with it. Whether I celebrate it or not, I'm happy to take a day off work. I don't understand why people are so butthurt about it. I, now, I understand the people who were, like, desperately uh, c- committed to they wanted to day off and their company's not giving it to them. Now, listen, if that's, if that's the case, if you're that upset, uh, you should call Black Lives Matters, 1-877-RENAMOB. They will send Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, and and the mob to the door of your business and threaten to burn them to the ground if you if you don't get a vacation. Just one eight seven seven rent a mob. Uh, call call Black Lives Matters. Say my company refuses to give me off Juneteenth observed, and I need you to do something about. It. They will shake them down. They they got the best shakedown artists in America between uh, Jackson and Sharpton and and the latest kids in the Black Lives Matters movement. They'll send the anarchist and Antifa to harass your CEO, and you will get the day off. You might get fired, but, I mean, you'll get the day off. Nonetheless, it's a day off for some people, and and I'm totally okay with people taking off Juneteenth. I see no reason to complain about another federal holiday. Now, people aren't taking off holidays, uh, but they are like having all sorts of work stuff. I gotta, I, I wanna, now listen, I'm my flagship station is in Atlanta, Georgia. It's where I broadcast from. I actually want to speak to Delta Airlines. It's the airline I tend to travel with. There was a story the other day that Delta was having all sorts of trouble, staffing trouble, and they were canceling on flights. And I was like, gosh, I hope it doesn't happen to mine. I flew Friday to Louisiana to Baton Rouge to see my parents for Father's Day, see my dad, came back home on Sunday morning. We, y'all, it was an ordeal. I got there. My flight was supposed to leave at 5.20 p.m. They, no, I'm sorry. It was supposed to, yeah, it was supposed to leave at 5.20 p.m. We wound up leaving sometime around 6 o'clock because there was no flight attendant for the plane. They kept saying the flight attendant was in the building and we were waiting for the flight attendant and the flight attendant who allegedly was in the building never showed up. So a plane landed that had come in from somewhere and that flight attendant was rerouted to our flight and put on our flight. So we had to wait for that plane to land. We had to wait for that plane to clear out the plane before the flight attendant could come over and get on our plane. They got her on our plane and literally the crowd cheered when she showed up and they started boarding us. Everybody was there. The other flight attendant and the pilots, they have uh, bigger planes, fewer flights into Baton Rouge now because the, the pilot and staffing shortage. So they needed two flight attendants or three on this plane. And they had all but the one, and the FAA won't waive the rules, so we had to wait. They put her on the plane. We got on the plane. We got to Baton Rouge uh, late, uh, about 45 minutes later than we should have gotten there. Well, on Sunday, I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, had a 6 a.m. flight. Uh, I didn't realize. I thought baggage check time uh, was you had to have it in an hour. It was actually 30 minutes ahead of time, but I got there an hour and 10 minutes early. So I was there at like 4.50. There were only two people checking bags. It took forever. At 5.15, I finally was able to get my bag checked. It it took maybe five minutes to go through security. Had TSA pre-check. 
the plane was supposed to leave at 5.30. Well, the overnight maintenance crew did not do something to the plane. So they had to put us on a different plane. That plane, thankfully, was already on the ground. But they had to move us to a different um, jet bridge, different um, gate. There was no technology at this gate for Delta. Delta did not have anything. And now this was Delta's problem here. They had no computer. They had no check-in system. They had nothing. But apparently at 5.30, when is the, the moment that baggage check is supposed to stop, there were people still in line checking bags and the computers just turned off. So the woman who was doing the baggage was literally writing people's names down on pieces of paper and stapling them to their luggage. I happened by this time to be on the plane. Uh, the the man who was checking us in had an app on his cell phone, could scan our tickets and, and get us onto the plane. And this couple happens to mention to the stewardess, said, well, we don't have a baggage check ticket. They said we were going to get one. No one's given us a baggage claim ticket. They stapled our name to our luggage. The stewardess says Delta doesn't do that. And the woman says, we know, but that's what they did. So it took them probably 20 minutes to sort out the luggage situation. Uh, the woman by this time had disappeared who was checking in the bags and writing people's names on. So uh, a shout out to the pilot, the captain of the plane and the flight attendant, the senior flight attendant on the plane. They had to go down and actually process the bags with the, the guy who was at the gate to be able to get people on the plane and get everybody's bags on the plane. It was incredible that they were as hands-on as they were to make it happen. And then after all of that, this couple who, when I had been checking in, were trying to get to Korea. They checked all their bags, and only after the bags were checked and they gave the husband the tickets did the husband realize there was not a ticket for their toddler. So they had forgotten to buy a ticket for their toddler. Needless to say, the mama was not happy. So they had to buy a ticket for the toddler. And then they got on the plane, they put their baggage on the plane, and then the check-in attendant at the gate had to come on the plane and take them off the plane, and then they had to get their bags off the plane because the names on the tickets didn't match the names in the passport. So they had to solve that, and the, and the pilot was like, I'm out, can't do this, above my pay grade, sorry, apologized to all of us. They were able to get it resolved, they were able to get it back on the plane, but our plane was supposed to leave at 6 a.m. And then, after all of that, you know, they gotta give the pilot the paperwork of all the people who were on the plane. And whoever was in charge of the printer forgot to put more paper in. So they had to go find paper. Anything bad that could happen, happened. And it wasn't Delta's fault, per se. It was, I mean, just the airport was just, it's like they forgot how to run a flight. So my 6 a.m. flight back to Atlanta on uh, Sunday left about 7.15. Several people missed their connecting flights. The flight attendant, though, I got to tell, if, if there's anybody at Delta listening, the captain and all of the flight attendants took charge of the situation. Uh, they they handled the baggage. They took care of it. They dealt with the computers. They, 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 they did everything. And the poor gate agent was beside himself. He was supposed to have help. Whoever was supposed to help him never showed up. So he was doing everything himself. I'm surprised he went out back loading the baggage on the plane as well. It was just, it was an ordeal. There have been all of these stories about how uh, flights around the country are being canceled or delayed because of lack of staff. I saw it on two separate flights firsthand uh, between computer glitches and lack of personnel. It was an absolute travel nightmare. And it, it, honest to goodness, Delta did everything they possibly could to make the situation better. 
the pilot and the flight attendants were as apologetic as they could possibly be. They let us know what was going on. They let us know what was, was their mistake and what wasn't or what was Delta's mistake and what was the airport's mistake. And both sides had made some mistakes and they apologized for the mistakes they had made. And a lot of it was stuff really outside of their control. It was grueling travel. Now, that was me going to Baton Rouge and back, and I had no connecting flights. So I land there, and I land back in Atlanta, and I'm fine. The people who are on connecting flights, I put this on Twitter on Friday and started hearing horror stories from people who were stranded in airports, couldn't get to their final destinations. There was some poor lady trying to get to her uh, 30th or 40th high school reunion and was stuck in an airport and had no way to get to her actual reunion and wound up missing her reunion because the connecting flight, there was a pilot, but there were no flight attendants. Someone else said they had flight attendants and no pilots. And someone else said they had pilots, but the flight had been delayed for so long, the pilots maxed out on the hours they could fly. And now the FAA has decided you need three times as many hours to get your pilot certification as you used to. And that as well is extending the pilot shortage in the country. Everything the government touches breaks. That's the moral of the story here. The, the government regulation keeps us safe in the air. We, we should at least acknowledge that uh, the FAA has done a very good job over a number of years making air travel in this country safe. But we're at a point where I think they can probably loosen some of the rules without making us less safe. The burdens on, on the pilots and the staffing issues on the planes. I mean, let's just be honest. Is If your plane falls from the sky, having three flight attendants instead of two flight attendants isn't really going to make a difference. If your plane comes down in a, and, and breaks apart on the runway, tire blows out, causes catastrophic failure, and the plane is burning on the runway and you're going to evacuate, having three flight attendants instead of two it's not really going to matter. You're going to get the hell off the plane as quick as you can. So, some of the regulations out there that the FAA are, are doing right now are burdening airlines that the airlines are having to deal with. I was complaining the other day about the, the food choices that Delta's been making on their planes, which is pretty much garbage. But they got bigger issues here with personnel, and it's not just them. United, American, uh, all of the major airlines in this country, and then some are having massive staffing shortages and the pandemic is, has made it worse. A lot of people decided to retire. A lot of people didn't want to stay on the planes. A lot of people got frustrated dealing with the passengers during the mask mandates and quit. Uh, the lead flight attendant on the flight back, who was fantastic, just absolute angel, uh, is retiring from Delta later this year. She's, she's ready to retire and take care of her grandkids instead of taking care of passengers. And there isn't enough of a workforce coming in to replace all of these people, which means these problems that we're having right now probably aren't going to get better anytime soon. And what they're probably going to have to do is for the longest time, a lot of these airlines went to smaller planes and more frequent flights. And they're probably going to now see a world where they go back to bigger planes and fewer flights. Of course, those bigger planes take more fuel, they're less efficient, and that causes prices to go up as well, in addition to having fewer flights. Um, the eco economics of an airline are not very good. Uh, George Will one time wrote a column that uh, the American airline industry, since uh, Orville and Wilbur Wright took off in Kitty Hawk, has made a combined total profit of about five pennies uh, since Wilbur and Orville took off in Kitty Hawk. It's not a profitable industry.
right now, uh, given the ups and downs, and this situation has made it worse. So God bless the people who are, are in charge and fly, and I have now seen it firsthand. It's miserable. And for those of you who are flying this summer, uh, plan ahead, plan some contingencies, and just be really patient with the people because they are in a terribly unfortunate situation, not of their making, and it doesn't show any signs of improving. I'm a longtime customer of Bowling Branch. I love their sheets. I sleep very comfortably, very coolly underneath them. I don't like to get hot when I sleep. They're very, very breathable. They're very, very soft, and they get softer with every wash as well. Bolin brand sheets, they're not just buttery, breathably, and possibly comfortable and softer with every wash. You don't even have to worry about the thread count there because they use the best threads possible, and you can tell by the quality of the sheets. I highly recommend you get some. My wife and I, you know, she heard the ads on other shows. She doesn't listen to my podcast, and she wanted them, and then we got some, and we've fallen in love with them. We've got them on a lot of the beds in our house. They use the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness and a better night's sleep. They're so luxurious. They're beloved by three American presidents, and they got over 10,000 reviews, all of which are fantastic reviews. And right now, you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolinBranch.com. That's BolinBranch. B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. Yes, you can be a part of the program. 877-973-7425. You can also uh, sign up for the daily email, get the show notes, the links to all the stack of stuff I talk about. Text the word show to 33777. Find the link, sign up. Uh, you can also get the podcast links and all that in there. I got to tell you guys, I got a, a message, text message from a buddy of mine who is a pilot, uh, just left uh, passenger aviation for cargo aviation. And he said, uh, did you know that neither the pilots nor the flight attendants were getting paid until the door closed on the airplane? They're paid door closed to door open. I had no idea that was actually the case, even though they're on the job. I mean, like the the captain and the, the flight attendant on my flight from Baton Rouge on Sunday were absolutely hands-on troubleshooting the, the baggage issue, the passenger issues, all of that stuff. Uh, they were certainly working. I can't believe they weren't getting paid because the door of the plane was open. Apparently, uh, they, they're changing this. Delta and the others are changing this. But what, what, a, what a crummy way to treat your workers. My goodness. Uh, and, you know, there, there's a rise of unionism in the country. I'm not a big fan of, of unions. I think unions cause all sorts of uh, waste and inefficiencies. Um, it, it makes it less likely for people to handle things outside their particular area of expertise, even though they could. Uh, I'm not a big fan of unions, but I got to tell you, I, every once in a while, I think the pendulum may have swung so far that uh, having corporations fear unions might improve some working conditions, whether or not they go through with it or not. Um Seeing employees agitating for better working conditions isn't necessarily a bad thing, although some people these days are just spoiled. It, it's it's interesting. Um, in any event, I got to move on. I want to talk about the nutters in Texas. In Texas, the Republican Party voted on a platform there that uh, says essentially Joe Biden stole the election and that the Civil Rights Act should be repealed, among other things. It was kind of bizarre. Now, most states put their party platforms together through a platform committee that's carefully guarded to keep the nuts out. 
the Texas Republican Party allows the entire group to weigh in on it. And if the nuts win the day, the nuts win the day. Now, I point all of this out because party platforms are meaningless documents that both parties put together. But a few years ago, the Democrats at their national convention booed the inclusion of God. And if you Google for it, you will find the media outlet stories about it. But I was on TV at the time on CNN when this happened. And you would be not surprised to learn how quickly the media wrote about the story and then ran away from it, made no eye contact with it, and poo-pooed anyone who brought it up on television. They didn't want it, they didn't want it to be seen as, as indicative of the entirety of the Democratic Party. But this story, this is getting all sorts of national media attention as proof the Republicans are unfit, unelectable, Terrible and radioactive uh, in a way they didn't when the Democrats booed God. They will embrace this story and run with it. It's all a sign of the media's biases on behalf of the Democratic Party. This document is meaningless, and so are the people who voted for it by and large. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use, and now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, more importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, you can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, you can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it. And I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, should you wish to be a part of the program, 877-973-7425. We got to move on to more real news other than the realities of air travel out there to the tipping point. Every once in a while, you reach a moment in American history you sometimes find notable where distinct conversations begin to change. The tone of conversations becomes starkly different from what it had been. I think we're at that point with the media's relationship with Joe Biden. I want to play for you um, a clip. Um, it is with, um, on CBS... It is the CBS uh, new show host. Um, what's her name? Um, now I can't remember her name. And she is talking to Brian Deese. 
she's talking about the economy and what could what could be different what could change what are they doing and you can hear in her tone that she's kind of had enough now this is this is almost a two minute clip and, and there were points and I was like I should take this part and then I was like no 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 I, I need you to, to listen to this entire clip and I want to set it up for you here you have a CBS this morning uh, or no face the nation what is it um this is gonna bug me now uh Margaret Brennan that's who it is Margaret Brennan so you've got Margaret Brennan questioning Brian Deese. He's the National Economic Council uh, senior advisor to Joe Biden on the economy. And you can hear in Margaret Brennan's voice, she's fed up. She's fed up with the spin. She's fed up with this White House screwing up, saying they're working on stuff and they're not actually getting things done. You need to listen to this. This is Margaret Brennan and Brian Deese, Joe Biden's economic advisor. Congressional Budget Office predicts that high inflation will persist until 2024. The Treasury Secretary has said it will stay higher than the originally forecast 4.7%. When does it come down? How much time are you talking about? Well, prices are unacceptably high right now, and that's why the president has said we need to make this our top economic focus and do everything that we can to get them down. Most independent forecasters, the blue chip, uh, the Federal Reserve, as you say, see inflation beginning to moderate over the course of this year. But our focus is on what are the steps, what are the policies that we can take? And the single most impactful thing that we could do right now is to work with Congress to pass legislation that would lower the costs of things that families are facing right now, like like prescription drugs. We could lower the cost of prescription drugs by allowing Medicare to negotiate better prices. That would actually lower federal spending and it would lower the cost that people pay. The president said this week in a rare interview that he actually has the votes to do it. Where's the deal? When's the vote? No, no, notice the, the rare interview. Emphasis on rare interview there. Well, lowering prescription drug costs is one piece. Lowering utility costs by providing tax incentives for energy is another piece. But equally important, lowering the federal deficit Mm -hmm. by enacting long overdue tax reform. If we can do a package like that, we can move forward in the near future. It will not only help in lowering prices, but it will send a signal to the markets and the global economy that the United States is really deadly serious about taking on this. Hiking taxes isn't going to change the price of milk. When and how are you actually putting forward this package? The package has been uh, debated. It's been worked through. Uh, It failed back when Build Back Better's version of it. So if inflation is the number one priority right now, when are you scheduling a vote to do the things you just laid out? We're working very closely with congressional leadership, with Senate leadership on that. Uh, Senator Schumer is working with his caucus to try to get a final package in place. And we're hopeful that we'll see progress on that in the coming weeks. Oh, that was that was not a friendly interview. That was not buddy-buddy interview. That that was not uh, a, a reporter who had any sympathy for the position of the Democrats right now. You say you've got the votes. The president, in a rare interview, says he has the votes. When are you putting it into a vote? Tax increases aren't going to help the price of milk. When are you going to put it into a vote? You say you got the votes. When are you going to put it into a vote? They're starting to have none of it. They're getting tired of 
of dealing with it. And then there's George Steffi Stephanopoulos interviewing Janet Yellen, who said that uh, inflation was transitory and now um, thinks we're not going to have a recession. It turns out that you and the president, maybe even the Fed, were too optimistic about inflation last year. Concerned that may be happening again with your, uh, si your, your suggestion that a recession is not inevitable? Well, um, inflation is really unacceptably high. Um, part of the reason is uh, Russia's war on Ukraine, his boosted energy and food prices in the United States and globally. It's important to recognize that um, the United States is certainly not the only advanced economy suffering from high inflation. We see it in UK, we see it uh, in France, Germany, Italy, um, and the causes of it um, are, are global, not local. Supply chain uh, snarls, um, partly resulting from lockdowns in China, are also boosting inflation. And so um, these, these factors are unlikely to diminish immediately. But over time, I certainly expect inflation to come down. And I think it's possible to have that happen in the context of a strong labor market maintained. Now, he was not nearly as aggressive as Margaret Brennan. He is more of a Democrat. He used to work for Bill Clinton. Uh, but still, you guys were wrong. Willing to call it out and say they're wrong. This is a problem. When the media, when you lose the media, the biggest defenders of this White House, they know the show is over. They know the gig is up. Jim Garrity at National Review has this. Did you notice that discussing Joe Biden's age, memory, and mental state denounced as the, quote, gross, lowest common denominator politics that drive people away from public life, end quote, by Chris Saliza of CNN when I wrote about the issue last August, became an acceptable subject for quiet and subdued expressions of public concern this past week. This isn't about Joe Biden falling off his bicycle. Last week, Mark Leibovich wrote in The Atlantic that Biden shouldn't run for another term because in his view, though Biden's mental sharpness and physical health are just fine now, they may not be in a few years. Here's what Leibovitch actually wrote. They say, for the most part, Biden's coping fine. You know, despite 8.6% inflation, his depressed approval numbers, his vice president's worst approval numbers, the looming wipeout in the midterms, and all the other delights attending to Biden as he awaits the big, round-numbered birthday he's got coming in just a few months. But here's another recurring theme I keep hearing, notably from people predisposed to liking him. He just seems old, one senior administration official told me at a social function. A senior administration official said this. He just seems old. Last week, the New York Times quoted many Democratic officials as worrying that Biden was too old to run for re-election. Brian Stelter and John Harwood talked about the issue on CNN and the Atlantic article. The editorial board of the Wall Street Journal chuckled. Democrats in the media suddenly discover the president is old. Seemingly overnight, discussing Biden's age, memory, and mental state isn't gross, lowest common denominator politics anymore. It's what the Democrats are doing. Back when the Afghan government was collapsing, Biden disappeared from public view for four days, then took no questions from the press for another few. 
What he did do is when he did do a sit down with George Stephanopoulos, Biden insisted he had never been told by General Frank McKenzie of U.S. Central Command and General Mark Milley, chairman of the federal or the Joint Chiefs, that they recommended keeping 2,500 troops in Afghanistan or had any other concerns about a withdrawal. No one said that to me. The two generals later testified under oath that they had directly recommended this to the president. At that time, I noted Biden had not released any updates on his health since December. But the the most generous interpretation is that Biden was a shameless liar. The other was more troubling, that something was wrong with him. Later, Biden's doctor released a statement saying he remains fit for duty. The problem here is that Democrats have had enough of Joe Biden now. They've had enough. What's coming is going to be worse than what came with Barack Obama in 2010. How do I know? Because by every measure, by every poll except the YouGov poll, by every other poll out there, doom and gloom awaits them. The Gallup polling has historic bad numbers for Joe Biden. His job approval, he is down uh, 15 points. 39.7 39.7 to 54.8. He has not been above 40 for some time. Even at 40, it's dismal. His approval rating is worse than Donald Trump's at the same time in 2018. This is not good stuff for Joe Biden. This is not good for him. It's not good for the Democrats, and they know it, and they've had enough, and at this point, they're blaming him. Now, why are they blaming him? This is important for you to understand, and many of you are going to be dismissive of it because I I know inside our bubble, the talking point is that uh, Joe Biden is a puppet that others lead. The Democrats don't see it that way at all. The Democrats believe Joe Biden calls the shots. Their in-person experience on Capitol Hill is that Joe Biden is the one who at the end of the day is the one making the decisions. It is fair to say Ron Klain, as chief of staff, narrows the decisions. So Joe Biden has a limited field to make, a limited uh, array of options to choose from. But at the end of the day, Joe Biden still makes the choice. And that's true, by the way. Uh, From everyone I talk to, Republican and Democrat on Capitol Hill, who have interacted with Joe Biden, they say Joe Biden is the one in charge, but that's also the problem. It's also the problem because Joe Biden for 50 years has been a dithering, blithering idiot. Joe Biden for 50 years has spent his time twiddling his thumbs, wanting more, wanting to say more. In fact, the New York Times has a story today that inside the White House, his aides are growing increasingly frustrated that Joe Biden takes too long to make up his mind, wants too much debate, too much input, too many other options. And once he has those options, they have to be narrowed down. That's what's going on here. Joe Biden was never qualified to be president of the United States just by virtue of being in Washington for 50 years. And now the chickens are coming home to roost. And on top of that, he is going to be 80 years old. He is wearing out. And frankly, the Joe Biden of today is not the Joe Biden of even four years ago. It's obvious for everyone to see. And the Democrats, with the help of the media, were for a very long time screaming when anyone would point it out, saying, how dare you, you ageist. And now it's gotten so bad Even they cannot ignore just how bad it is. 
Democrats have all sorts of problems coming for them in November. The media knows even bad Republican candidates are probably going to get elected in November. I mean, the, 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 the inept Republican candidate is probably going to do better than the skilled strategic Democratic candidate because it's just that bad. There used to be a big gap between party preferences and states. The president could do very poorly and the Democrats could still do okay because that Democrat was judged by himself. That's not the case anymore. Democrats are judged by the party they're in and the Democratic Party now polls more badly than the Republican Party, worse than the Republican Party in this country. In large part, because while Donald Trump may be the leader of the Republican Party, he's not on the stage. Seriously, all the people mad at social media for getting rid of Donald Trump, they did him and the GOP a great blessing. Because now the only game in town, the only leader in town is Joe Biden, and nobody likes that guy. So his party is going to get a drubbing in November. If you want to make the drubbing worse, you can take your business to Patriot Mobile because they take a portion of their profits and help the conservative movement. They are Christian conservatives, uh, good people. They back conservative candidates and causes, uh, the pro-life movement, the Second Amendment movement, uh, veterans and first responders, so much more. It's what they do. It's what they were designed to do. And to do it, they take a portion of their profits. To get their profits, they get you as a customer. They get you as a customer by using the same cell towers everybody else uses giving you same great service, 5G data voice, but doing so as a Christian conservative company. If you want to take your business to them, you can carry your own phone number over. You can get a new phone number from them if you want. You go to 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT's their phone number. You can call them, or you can just go online to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You get free activation with my name, and you also get great discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, a teacher, an NRA member. So many discounts, some I don't even know about. You just talk to them, reach out to them, see what discounts you can get. They want you as a customer, and again, they take a portion of their profits and give it to the conservative movement. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today or call them 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation, patriotmobile.com. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of this year program, I am happy to have you. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, FINA has pretty much ended uh, transgender swimmers. The world's swimming governing body. FINA members... At the organization's extraordinary general Congress voted 71.5% in favor of its new gender inclusion policy that only permits swimmers who transition before age 12 to compete. This is not saying that people are encouraged to transition by the age of 12. It's what the scientists are saying, that if you transition after the start of puberty, you have an advantage, which is unfair. James Pierce, who is the spokesperson for FINA President Hussein al-Muslam, told the Associated Press, they're not saying everyone should transition by age 11. That's ridiculous. You can't transition by that age in most countries, and hopefully you wouldn't be encouraged to. Basically, what they're saying is that it is not feasible for people who have transitioned to compete without having an advantage. FINA's new 24-page policy also includes proposals for a new open competition category. The organization said it's setting up a working group that will spend the next six months looking to the most effective ways to set up the new category. Pierce told the Associated Press the open competition would most likely mean more events 
but those details have to be worked out. The members voted after hearing presentations from three specialist groups, an athlete group, a science and medicine group, and a legal and human rights group that had been working together to form the policy following recommendations given by the International Olympic Committee last November. The IOC urged shifting the focus from individual testosterone levels and calling for evidence to prove when a performance advantage existed. Now, what's so notable here is that they followed the science. And now a bunch of people who claim to be pro-science are really, really outraged with them. But the truth is what the truth is and what the science shows, that once you hit puberty and your body begins generating testosterone as a boy, if you transition to a girl thereafter, you still have an innate advantage that adds up over time. And Leah Thompson, the guy who competed as a woman who was the first transgender woman to win an NCAA swimming competition in the 500-yard freestyle, outpaced all of the women in the pool because Leah Thomas is biologically a male. And while you may get censored and shut down on Twitter for saying that, science is science. Testosterone is testosterone. And it made a difference. And FINA, the swimming organization that governs swimming competitions worldwide, recognizes that. And, of course, because the president happens to be Islamic, uh, they're being subjected to all sorts of bigoted hate from the supposed pro-science crowd. 